Hello, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll choose a Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Check us out or play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, Kyle, back with the big one. Back into the bottom of some real, real Disney issues here. Quite a few Disney issues. And to help us figure this all out, we are welcoming back our guest, Christian. Christian, what is up? Oh, I'm doing swell. Thanks for having me again, guys. I appreciate it. My uh, my DMs have been insane since we since we launched this this last podcast. So I don't know how much longer my, my social calendar is going to be able to handle this. Right, of course. You have a lot of uh, people to respond to after this one. I can only imagine. I need a personal. I need. I need personal time. I need to have a private life. What are we drinking, boys? Uh, my spoonful of sugar this week is uh, is kind of the return of a of one of my new favorites. Oh man! For the for our listeners out there who um saw my Elsa juice, uh, I went with something similar this week. Uh, but this is an apple juice with some vodka in it. Uh, but it's not <laughs> Elsa. It's Black Panther. This oh. is my Wakanda punch. Wakanda forever. <laughs> it's amazing. I feel I feel power powerful just drinking this stuff. Does your convenience store just have like an entire row of just these like Disney property juice bottles? The, yes, they do. Um, they have a lot of uh, Paw Patrol. But I don't really know Paw Patrol that well, so I, I just I just buy the ones I recognize. Sounds like Christian knows it. We're gonna have to have Christian on the uh, Disney Junior bracket. Yeah, yeah, I could do it. I mean, honestly, Paw Patrol's a lot better than some of the other garbage that my niece and nephew watch on YouTube. I don't know if you are privy to uh, Ryan's World. No, no, no. It's the absolute worst. But I digress. All right. Well, I am drinking an IPA. I am working uh, on the road this week for for my job, and so went to the local liquor store and grabbed a, a craft beer from here in Arizona, and it's called the Dragoon IPA. Um, Dragoon sound very villainous to me, which is kind of why I chose it because we have some pretty heavy hitting uh, villain songs on the racket. So. Uh, Let's see how how this holds up and how the songs hold up. Christian, what are you drinking? I I still have that uh, thirty rack of Elsa's Ice in Arendelle. <laughs> uh, your boys sipping on some Coors Light. Arendelle mountains are blue. I can't complain. Keeping it in theme. And let it go is still surviving in the bracket. Exactly. Barely, barely. Hanging on. Speaking of bracket, Chris. On that note. We had a lot of feedback on our last bracket, and um, if you're listening to this podcast and you were like, I wasn't happy with uh, how the last episode went down, you are not alone. You are not. There was a lot of very angry people out there. (laughs) Um, We triggered many fans of the show, many non-fans of the show. Um, We had some all-time feedback on this one, and uh, it was mostly negative, which is great. 
It's great because that means we're talking about stuff people really care about. It's true. It's true. We had uh, our our mentions were blowing up after we put out our bracket of thirty two, and there were some interesting comments. And uh, one comes from at Katie Crack, and she says, "Guys, ballad and love songs really needed a separate bracket. My emotions can't take this. Help." And I completely agree. We will eventually get to breaking down ballads, breaking down love songs. It's all going to eventually happen, but um, we just really wanted to start off strong here. Oh, yeah. Much more music uh, will be happening. And then we also had a tweet from someone I don't really know. Yeah, me either. But he somehow got a hold of our bracket, and his name is Matthew Trueblood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who said, quote, this is the dumbest bracket I have ever seen. I have like 41 problems with this 32-song bracket. And this tweet was liked by four people. So (laughs) Matthew and four other people who endorsed that tweet, the only thing I can really say to that is you have not seen many of our other brackets, have you? Because (laughs) when it comes to absurdity, this song bracket is low on the absurdity scale. I'd say it's like a five. Yeah, it's there's been plenty of controversy in past ones, but I'm glad we struck a struck a nerve with this one because this is a, a bracket that anyone can relate to because everybody knows Disney songs. It's great. All right, well, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and get into business. No time for bantering today. We're going to get right to it, and we're going to try to get our hands super dirty. Um, we're going to jump back into the bracket with the Sweet 16 First matchup, a whole new world from Aladdin, who was our number one seed against Remember Me from Coco, which was our 16 seed. Now, I came into this bracket really liking a whole new world. I don't like Aladdin very much. I think it's extremely overrated, but I don't think a whole new world is that overrated. I think it's a really good song, really well written. Um, I love a duet that's well executed. Um, Remember Me, another movie I don't really like that much, but I vibe with the song a lot. And I was thinking about it today, and I was like, no question, A Whole New World's going to advance in the Sweet 16. But all of a sudden, it hit me. I was like, this song is fake. (laughs) Aladdin is a total fraud, and he's kind of like playing this character that's not real throughout this entire thing, so... Like, yeah, it's a good song, but in the context of the movie, it's kind of cringe, and I think it would be a lot more powerful if it was, like, sung by him as himself. I think it would make a lot more sense because that's what the audience is meant to get from this song is, like, he's showing Jasmine a whole new world of, like, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to live in a palace, right? But he is pretending to be a rich guy that lives in a palace. So... Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you look at it that way. But then, remember me, also sung by a fraud. So um, (laughs) you have two frauds here going up in our first matchup. But the thing that I love about Remember Me is that it does find its meaning later in the film in that great scene, according to many, uh, where... (laughs) What's his name, Miguel? Yeah, it's Miguel. Yeah? You're such a hater. Miguel singing to Mama Coco... He does kind of a a lullaby reprise of the song, and that's where you learn the real meaning of it, right? And I do think that that scene is extremely overproduced, but I like the message of the song a lot. I agree with it. 
I like that they reference a sad guitar because I love me a song with some sad guitar in it. And um, it has a dude belt in it, which is kind of rare in the Disney song catalog. You got a dude with a nice strong belt at the end. Um, De La Cruz has a nice, nice one. Um, Quasimodo is really the only one I think that could match De La Cruz's belt. Um, so I think when I factor in like all of those things, never ever in a million years thought this was going to happen. But I think I like Remember Me over a whole new world here in the Sweet 16 with the upset. See, I think I took a different meaning from a whole new world than you did. Um, I agree. Like the points that you brought up are points that I also made note of that it's, this is a pivotal point in the movie because Aladdin's just lying to Jasmine this entire time. He's just been yep. lying to Jasmine. And, and like, yep. and then you brought up that De La Cruz is a fraud as well. Right. And so like you have these two frauds and, and, whole new world is kind of supposed to be this should have been this moment where they find true love these two strangers and then like live happily ever after but obviously aladdin messes all of that up um what i took from it though wasn't that he was showing them that it didn't matter like where you who you were where you are rich or poor i took it more like a whole new world is is love itself. Love is a whole new world for them. They hadn't found love before, and this is them exploring it together. Um, this this magic flight is kind of simulating the light feeling that you get when you are in love with somebody. Um, it's, you can't describe the feeling. It's The new love is a new world. Um, it makes them feel weightless. Um, and together, they'll be able to discover new horizons new memories new moments um and so that's what i kind of took from it uh, it ends with like harps and chimes which i feel like is very disney of um of this song which is a disney song uh the song won an academy award won a grammy it's obviously a very very good song um remember me as you brought up like tugs at the heartstrings uh in the reprise the 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 first song which is essentially the one that we're really talking about here is incredibly upbeat and so full um orchestrally that it's it's just so satisfying like it's you just feel like they put everything into the song whether you think of it as the performers putting it in or like the the actual uh producers of this movie like it is a orchestrally strong song um the beginning Greedo yell is like incredible. That just kicks off the song. You're ready to rock and roll. Um, and you're right. The belt at the very end is like, I, I, uh, I just wish that in the soundtrack, like in the, in the um, album version, the song didn't also end with the bell falling noise. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just wish like one thing that I've been noticing with these, some of these songs on this bracket is that even when you try and listen to them, outside of the movie context, some of the songs rely so heavily on the movie action that it kind of diminishes the song value for me. I disagree that it does that, though, because that's why all of these songs are so great is because there is character inside of the songs. Sure, and but... it gives it extra meaning. Sure, but then you get songs like When You Wish Upon a Star where there's this entire interlude of just this random kind of 
meter of music that doesn't make sense if you're just sitting there listening to it unless you know it in the context of the song because it's literally some of the notes are moving as like Jiminy hops and like you wouldn't know that unless you watch the movie along with the song so I mean to each their own that's my opinion um but I think that I I'm probably going to agree with you I hadn't remember me moving on in this one like I even though whole new world is this iconic Disney song I think that Remember Me is the better song, and it's it's has so many di- like it reminds me of the He Lives in You moment of Lion King. Like it doesn't matter um, if they're physically there or they're gone. Like the, their memory is gonna last with you. Um, whether you believe in any sort of religious backing, they're gonna be with you. Um, and the memories that you make with these people are moments that are gonna last forever. And I think that's extremely powerful. And it's. And I don't even think A Whole New World's the best love song in the 16 bracket. So, Chris, I'm with you. I'm moving Remember Me on. Christian, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I honestly could have made an argument for either of them. I think what what I mentioned last last time we went through this and, and A Whole New World came up, I think, uh, or excuse me, Remember Me came up, I remember arguing that you can kind of, it, it's pretty versatile, so it can be sung in mariachi, it can be sung in English or Spanish pop version, and it holds its own. But I also really liked the new version for the um, for the recently world. released yeah, Aladdin with Zayn, and I think I, it's pronounced <laughs> Zavia. Um, it's just like a, a, it's just like a wild new twist on it and it still felt like exciting and something you could sing along to. So I could have made an argument for both, but I'm glad that Chris is opening his tiny little mind to, uh, to Coco (laughs) because it's going to get a lot further than I think he wants it to. Um, but I think it deserves all of, all of that credit because it's, it's, it's a banger, but I will say, I think that it, it has a stronger, Obviously, because they slow it down in the film and Miguel is singing it, but just because Miguel's uh, sings it so much higher than um, than the other characters, it just it's easier on the ears. Um, but when you also think about where it's coming from, remember me. Yes, it has mul- multiple meanings, but it actually comes from Hector, right? So that that the true meaning of the song is meant for his wife, who he's leaving behind to chase this dream, which in the end has so much more significance because it then gets applied to his daughter who is, is leaving her family behind. Right. So um, just in terms of pulling on the heartstrings, like there was just so much more interweaving of thoughts that pushed this, this one over the edge. Yeah, completely agree. That's a fantastic analysis. We're going to move right down the bracket here. We are going on to, Number nine, how far I'll go, versus number eight, you can fly. Um, there's what separates this for me is that kind of what Chris brought up last episode of just kind of like how simple and fluffy you can fly is, even though I don't think that's necessarily uh, a negative quality of you can fly because it accomplishes what the song is attempting to accomplish, which is get these get the story going it's supposed to be the launching point of the entire movie um but how far i'll go is just such a powerful song that is also a launch for the movie these two songs happen at the same times in their movies and really get the movie going quite literally on a journey they're both this journey that's about to happen 
um, it the message of how far I go is just so great. Like all about listening to your heart um, and and what you feel is true uh, is important. Like you, if you feel like this is your purpose or you have you, it's a trust your gut kind of song. Um, the reprise she sings in the middle of the movie is fantastic. When she sees her uh, stingray grandma uh, comes back and she she screams, Just "I grandma, am Moana!" Baby, let's go! Yeah, she's back. She makes another mention on the on the pod, but like. She's just, it's just such a, when she screams, I am Moana, and she's just instilling confidence back in herself after this crazy first half of the movie, like that, that part, you're just ready to go and root on for, root her on. Um, the song is super authentic to the um, setting that it takes place. There's a lot of like winds and there's a lot of heavy drums. Um, it just feels like you're, you're in this kind of Polynesian world. And also like the, um, I noticed in the intro, they use this kind of effect that you imagine water. This is such a, a water-heavy song, but they use this effect that it's not quite your underwater, but it sounds like what water would sound like, and that's just such a like n- like incredible effect that they put on it. Um, you can fly is a, a, a period piece. It's a song of of the moment. This kind of salesy fifty song. Um, and I don't. I just. I don't see it moving past how far I'll go in this one. So I'm. I'm moving how far I'll go on. Yeah, I. I think that you're right. It's one of these songs that. Yeah, it's about wanting to be in a, in an, in another place, and that's such a common theme for a lot of these Disney songs um, because it's a feeling that's very relatable, and so you know the audience is empathetic to Moana in this moment, which makes the song much more powerful in the movie. And, you know, if you're just listening to it out of context, it's also just a really catchy song, super fun to sing along with. Mm-hmm. Um, Lin-Manuel can be a little bit wordy in the songs that he writes. And I, it's interesting. On the one hand, that's awesome because it makes it so catchy and it's like an art form and an instrument in itself within the song. Mm-hmm. Um all of the words, but it makes it a little bit harder to sing along to. Like I've <laughs> heard how far I'll go so many times and I still don't know the words of that song. Yes. Yeah, um, I know we keep kind of like prematurely referencing when you wish upon a star, but that that's kind of the poster child song for the old Disney where you can hear it like three times and you got the words down, right? It's so mm-hmm. simple. Get straight to the point. How far I'll go doesn't really do that. Um, but for this matchup, I think it definitely wins over, um, you can fly. So, Christian, any final words for you can fly? No, I think I think we're going to we're going to have to talk about how far I'll go again and I'll kind of save my thoughts for when it has its next matchup, but uh when you just put it next to, you know, its competitor in the situation, I think it just does, does a lot more for you know, the film for the storyline for the audience. So let's, let's keep it rolling. All right. Well, we'll move right down to the number 12 seed colors of the wind versus the number 28. Be prepared. Be prepared. Had a little upset last round against be our guest. And in that matchup, I was very pro be our guest. Um, think be prepared is fine, but I really don't see myself arguing for it in this matchup. I had a Lion King cassette tape I used to fall asleep to 
Okay, imagine three-year-old, four-year-old baby socks, right? <laughs> Lights are out in my room. Lion King cassette. Be prepared comes on. Nightmares. I'm terrified. I, I'm scared, <laughs> right? There are scary shadows on my wall. All I can like picture, picture in my head is like these hyenas. I'm terrified. I don't know if that makes it a good song because it's so like powerful and effective or mm-hmm. it makes me not like this song because I'm deeply, deeply triggered um, and my childhood traumas are resurfacing. Um, but regardless, I think it's going up against a really good song in Colors of the Wind. Um, I think Pocahontas gets overlooked a lot, especially when it comes to the music. Colors of the Wind is a song that I think is applicable today. It has a lot of environmental themes. It has race themes. It directly in the song references skin color, which is like extremely bold and unique. Um, I think Pocahontas is ripe for a live action remake. Um, I think I think it would be great if it was done tastefully. <laughs> of course, there there are some things you probably have to tiptoe around if you, if Disney was going to take that on, but. Um, I, I love Colors of the Wind. Um, it's catchy. It's got everything going for it. And I, I can't really think of an argument for Be Prepared um, other than it's a villain song. And I love when we get to spend some time with some villains. But um, Colors of the Wind is, is a bit challenging for the audience as well. It kind of like is supposed to maybe rethink their alliances in the story up to this point. And... Um, it really makes Pocahontas appear intelligent, smart, um, intentional in all of her decisions she makes as a hero. So I, I love everything about this song, Going Colors of the Wind. Yeah, I think um, there's a line in Colors of, Color of the Wind that's like, she essentially says, like, you think, you you people think that we're savages, but not. It's like, you're, like, you're a savage. Like, yeah, I love that. I love that part. And I, like, you're right. Great environmental message. Um, Judy Kuhn's a legend. I mean, obviously, she does an incredible job there. Um, I'm still just not a big fan of the song. And I, I've been listening to it all week long trying to get into it. And I just couldn't. You brought it. You made my point. Like, the impact that Be Prepared has on you is exactly what the impact of Be Prepared should have on you. It is literally a song by a dude who is... It, who is invoking like Hitler-esque villainy and it's shown in the visuals of the hyenas marching while he's up on the stand like that's literally a parallel line to like Hitler type stuff you know it's crazy um the humor in the song is like it it adds to the song and doesn't distract from it in my opinion the hyenas like little ad-libs where he's like uh we're um Mufasa is dead and he's like or like we have to go to Mufasa and he's like why is he sick like that part is so great. I love that. Um, the the line that I picked out was like be prepared for be prepared for the murkiest scam, and that's like a double meaning because he lets us know in the beginning that like he it's what he wants first, and he's gonna trick these hyenas into helping him achieve what he needs. Um, and so he's gonna like this murky scam is like he's gonna scam the pride by making up this story to become king by killing his brother, but he's also going to scam the hyenas when he needs to, and he ultimately does at the end. He pays for it, but had he not, like, he just tricked this entire, um, I get like, animal species, right? So uh, I just love Be Prepared, and I think it does better for the movie than Colors of the Wind. I'm going to be prepared. Christian, it is time to break your first tie of episode two. Yeah, uh, I think... 
I am on your side, Kyle. Um, Colors of the Wind it has great messaging. I think it is a pivotal point in the film, but I think that the visceral reaction that Be Prepared leaves the audience with, I mean, Chris, to be fair, we could play that song even now and you would probably still have those feelings bubble up, but that says more about your, your, your trauma than the song. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think, I think because be prepared is so well thought out and the way that the, the arrangement like builds throughout the song without the, the the actor singing it having to necessarily open up super early. I think it just like takes you on like a, a more interesting journey than Colors of the Wind. Colors of the Wind has a few great moments, but it feels flat almost, right? Like it's, it's it does, it, the, the, the highlight of the song is when she canoes down that waterfall, but mm-hmm. that's the visual journey. That's not necessarily the song taking you through that that moment so i think be prepared is i i if i'm being completely honest i don't know if it's going to go much further than the next round but i think it, it definitely beats colors of the wind in this instance all right so with that we are going to move on down the bracket to number 13 part of your world versus number four when you wish upon a star I'm like i buckle said in for this one buckle up buckle up but i honestly i don't know we're gonna have to see um I've said it, and I'll say it again. When You Wish Upon a Star is the theme of the Disney company. This is a Disney song. Um, I I took some notes since the last time we talked because I really wanted to sit there and listen through it. I really like the movie Pinocchio. Like, I really like it. Um, and this song just invokes some sort of, like, warm, fuzzy feeling when I hear it, right? It's almost like a lullaby more than it is anything else. It just slaps you in the face with nostalgia. Um, it kind of, it, it sets the stage for like Pinocchio coming to life, but it also to its own fault, Chris, you brought this up last time, like to you, you're like, uh, it promotes like wishing for things and just expecting it to happen to you. And I argued back, like, I don't think that they're literally talking about wishing upon a star. So I went back and I like read the lyrics and really thought about it. And there's a point where like, I think the song tells you that this whole thing is a metaphor and it's when the like chorus and choir comes in and they say fate is kind she brings to those who love uh the sweet fulfillment of their secret longing which i took as kind of good things come to those that do good like if you have a kind heart and you are doing good in the world like fate will have a way of rewarding you and that's that kind of wishing upon a star message like but You're what if literally... my secret longing is to be an astronaut? Then uh, then work hard and be a good person and you might get it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but fate has a way of working things out. And that's that's what I'm saying about when you wish upon a star. I wanted to clear that up. That being said, um, Part of Your World is beautifully composed, right? It is arguably the reprise is better than the first part of your world and i think like, like it just like what are you doing like the yeah you, she's sitting on the rock it's that iconic scene where the wave crashes behind her um there's the moana parallel which i don't know if it's possible in this bracket but if they ever meet it's going to be real interesting because it's this i don't know what's beyond what i already know 
but I'm itching to find out. Um, one part in the song that I thought was just super weird was she doesn't remember the word for feet, but she definitely knows what strolling down the street is. Like, how? who told her that people stroll down a street? Like, it, it's just what... Um, it, I don't her know. Her knowledge of humans is inconsistent at best. Yes, absolutely. Anyways, the, the version, the first song leaves me wanting for a more powerful ending than it gives me. But it also within the context of the movie, she's like depressed and she's singing about how she wishes she could be not in this situation. Her dad just basically grounded her and she's sad. So I get it. But like, this is such a, that would have been the showstopper. But instead it, we had to wait for it a little bit longer. Um, all of that being said, Chris, I am moving part of your world on because I think it's just the better song and it just does more for its movie than When You Wish Upon a Star. Now, When You Wish Upon a Star does more for maybe the Disney company as a whole because they're all about magic and happiness and making dreams come true. But if we're just talking songs and impact, it's part of your world. Here's the thing I failed to mention last week. You know whose grubby paws are all over this song? Which Geppetto. One? Oh. <laughs> um, this When You Wish Upon a Star song is all about Geppetto getting his wish and I'm not so sure Geppetto deserves to get his wishes granted because he's kind of a weenie hut junior, <laughs> All right, For the lack of a better word, this guy is the worst. We've said it on the podcast before. Whenever I'm listening to this song, I just think about him, you know, wishing on the star, and I'm like, oh, man. I can't. I can't do it. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about Part of Your World a little bit more next round, but I am also advancing it, so... Thanks when you wish upon a star. Catch you next time. Um, so let's move across to the other side of the bracket. We've got number 30 seed, I See the Light, versus number 14, Beauty and the Beast. Now, I did not love Beauty and the Beast in the first round. I mentioned that some of the themes in this song, some of the lyrics reference the problematic Stockholm Syndrome elements of Beauty and the Beast. Don't love that. I think it's kind of stale sounding. Um, and I kind of word vomited how much I like I See the Light in the last episode. <laughs> so I don't know how much I need to repeat. But pretty much every lyric of I See the Light is very intentional and very revealing about Rapunzel and Flynn Rider and about their relationship. It also comments on this theme of sight and it makes it something that's not so much like visual but a feeling right I see the light you're it's not that you're looking at it but you've had a moment of realization your feelings have changed and I like the way that this song navigates that theme beauty and the beast I don't think that's a theme like beautiful people falling in love with ugly people is not a tale as old as time. Like, I don't, I don't really understand, I guess if one of you guys wants to explain it to me better, yeah, you can. So, so but I think, I, yeah, go, you, I'll let you finish your, your thought here, but I relax, think Kanye. <laughs> that's racist. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I see the light has, has so much more going for it in general. Um, so that's, easily the one I'm going with here. 
So what I think that they're referring to as a tale as old as time is a love that was unexpected. I don't think that it's literally like a, the tale that's old as time is uh, a beautiful person falling in love with an ugly person or a beauty falling in love with a beast. I think it's like the tale as old as time is either like friends that didn't expect to become lovers or like the chance that these two people met was so far and few in between and it's just kind of incredible that it happened. I think that's the tale as old as time. I don't think it's the um the weird Stockholm syndrome bestiality kind of weird stuff that it is. Um this is another song that won an Oscar. It's another incredibly iconic one. Um it takes place during a part that is still used in marketing material to this day of the beast and bell dancing mostly because of the kind of ahead of its time cgi work that they did on it um but regardless it's it's not aged well for the record i don't know do you think so because i recently watched and i thought it held up just fine for the rest of the movie when you realize what parts are cg the pillars surrounding them as they're dancing Mm -hmm. it's you can't unsee it you can't unsee it and i can't watch that scene anymore being like oh man that's that's real rough. Right, and but you can, honestly, you can make that argument for every every technology, for every film, for where it is. In 10 years, we'll right. have that same, you know, oh my gosh, this is terrible Avatar moment that you're, that you're referring to now. So, like, looking back to, what was it, 94, 95, for, for its time, it was significant. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it has, this song is incredibly, has a, a powerful influence over... Not only like Disney, but just pop culture in general. Uh, Christian brought up the Celine Dion version. Uh, the John Legend and Ariana Grande version is fine, in my opinion. Um, I love me some John Legend, so it's great to hear him sing this song. I think that was a great choice for, for the new live action, better than whatever else they're going to do. Um, I See the Light, for whatever reason, like that song, I, I feel like I just I get choked up. This is a beautiful song. It's interesting because uh, I've been told since this bracket that that's not even the most memorable song of the uh, of the movie because people think When Will My Life Begin is the most memorable one. But I remember more lyrics of this than I do When Will My Life Begin. Um, it goes back to the simplicity thing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's simple, but also like you brought up it, it means so much more. The seeing of the light isn't just literally seeing the light. It's seeing the world in a new way. Um, it's It relates to both characters. Like Rapunzel literally hasn't seen the world, but she also never thought about this part of the world, which is the connections and the human connections that you can have because she was locked up and isolated. And for Flynn, it's like he sees the light. He sees that life happens fast and he needs to slow down. And it's not about like looking for the next thing or accomplishing the next task. It's about really enjoying these important moments. And that's super powerful. And in in these two kind of like love songs that are going head to head here, like I'm I'm upset and with you, Chris. I see the light is moving on for me. Christian, we skipped you last time. We just moved on. I see the light in an upset. I need some general thoughts after we just finished this side of the bracket. 
I think I think Beauty and the Beast has done more for the Disney brand, right? If we're going back to like the overall impact, what it did in the '90s for the film and for Disney as a whole was a lot more impactful than I See the Light. But again, I just like this song better. Um, mm-hmm. I See the Light when when you listen to it, uh, Mandy Moore is not my favorite actress or or even singer um but there's like a really uh like ethereal quality to her voice especially when she gets to her last verse right it's almost like it's it's a lot of falsetto and it just it the way that they match it in the film with those like twinkling lights it just it gives you an effect that I feel has almost a bigger impact on the audience than that that grand ballroom that the Beast and Belle are, are dancing around. So um, yeah, it's an upset, but I'm I'm here for it. Let's let's give it to our girl Rapunzel. I also think that if this movie was as impactful as Beauty and the Beast was as a movie of the time, then this song would be held in higher regard. I think that people slept on Tangled when it first came out, and so the song kind of was overlooked while Beauty and the Beast was this animated marvel. It was the the renaissance of Disney and people were like, Disney is back. And if that was t- tangled at the time, like this song would have been the Beauty of the Beast of the 2000s. Moving right on down, it is number 11, I Want to Be Like You versus number six, Circle of Life. Want to Be Like You, it is our theme song. It is the pod's theme song. But here's why I have an issue, guys. I did some research, and I'm not happy. I am not happy. It's I've always known this, but I feel like I've kind of ignored it, that, like, I mean, just in general, early Disney was just really harping on these, like, uh, stereotype, like, racial stereotypes. It's awful, yep. right? And so yep. this is just another example of that. One, like... Jazz and scat was always associated with African-Americans, right? They're kind of the ones that brought this art form into popularity. And then we have appropriation that happens. And uh, you have this song that's performed by Louis Prima, who's like an Italian-American guy. And then uh, Phil Harris, I want to say is his name, who's Baloo. And they're doing all this like scat and jazz and stuff. So not only are is this african-american kind of art form being sung by non-african-americans but it's also being sung by non-african african-americans that are represented by monkeys which is a incredible microaggression and it's just it's awful what what are you joking and so if i put that aside which is incredibly hard to do um louis prima comes from Louisiana, so there's a lot of influence there where he gets his blues and jazz, so he, like, kind of gets a pass. Um, The song's catchy as hell, can't help but bob along to it. The whistle breakdown in the middle is fantastic. Um, The swing after the second verse, the swing portion of the song is so great. Um, But it's going up against Circle of Life, which is probably, I'm going to go ahead and say, the most powerful song in Disney music history. It's it begins the Lion King and sets the mood and then ends the Lion King in such a a satisfying way. It it sets the tone for not only what the message of the movie is going to be, which is that we're all connected and every move that everyone makes affects and uh, another person or uh, another species or anything. It's 
it's like low-key environmental, but it's not overly um, obvious that it's environmental. Um, super fun fact is that the South African composer that got the Zulu um, chorus in the background, he was like struggling to even make it. He was this, uh, uh, like I said, South African composer that came to LA to, and was at one point a valet for an LA hotel and his friend introduced him to Hans Zimmer and that's just where it got started. And so he's now a part of like one of the most famous Disney songs of all time. Um, and you have Elton John who helped compose it, who was who was and is just a, um, a, a music legend. It's interesting that like, you don't see anybody singing this song, which I think is kind of a, a a difference from maybe some previous Disney songs. You kind of expect a character to sing it and you kind of can attribute the song to Rafiki maybe if you wanted to, but it's just the drum that ends it and you get the title card, like you're, you're locked in, you're ready to go. And then the title card at the end, which is just the same thing with the drum, it's just so satisfying to literally be brought in a circle. You're literally brought in a circle through the movie. So I've ranted enough. Circle of life's better than I want to be like you. Circle of life's moving on for me. Yeah, this one feels a little bit one-sided. Circle of life has so many complexities to it. And I want to be like you is just kind of like a little ditty. Um, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, great themes great way to start the movie great visuals it's awesome i'm moving that one along christian i assume you agree yeah uh you also kyle mike dropped in the middle of your rant that it is the single best song of the entire you know uh library so i don't even know what we're doing for the next hour (laughs) (laughs) i think i said Uh, it's the most powerful song in disney music history i don't know if i said it's the best but if i said it's the best then i'm going to say the most powerful song. And now I'm going to edit that back in. <laughs> um, okay, so let's move down to the next matchup. Number seven from Toy Story, You've Got a Friend in Me, versus 23, Cruella DeVille. Now, both of these really, really simple songs. Lyrics, extremely simple, really short, and to the point, which I love about both of these. Um Cruella de Vil, not sung by a villain, but a villain song gives you a little glimpse into how others perceive her, so it kind of fleshes out that character. You've Got a Friend in Me is just kind of like a theme song that plays in the background that speaks to some of the relationships in the movie, I guess. So it's a bit hard to compare the two when it comes to that. It's tough because in actual 101 Dalmatians, you never really get like a nice radio-friendly poppy, upbeat, fun version of Cruella de Vil. It's kind of like talk sung by Roger. Um, so you don't really get the same vibe that you get um, than you do when you just pull it up on uh, Spotify. You Got a Friend in Me. Something about that song, I think I said this last week, just those first few notes, just they just put me in an entirely... <clears throat> they just put me in an entirely different mood. The song's real short, it's just barely over two minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're talking about a song that is both fun and new, but also is one that can speak to a lot of themes of the Disney company, this is a really good song that I think balances all of those things. It's about love. 
in a way that's not necessarily like a prince and a princess, which is it's about just friendship love, human to human love. I love that about this song. It's so pure. It's so innocent, so universal to could be applied to so many different things. You can play it instrumental only. And it's just got great vibes, man. I'm, I'm smiling just talking about this song. So I'm, I'm going with, you've got a friend in me over Cruella DeVille here. I think that, um, the song is simple on Roger's part and he kind of talk sings it because his character is a jingle writer. And so he is more of writing songs for others to sing. So he's not always necessarily going to be, um, singing these songs right out. Uh, I think I agree with you. Like those first few notes of you got a friend in me, just bring, it brings you to a place of just pure nostalgia for me specifically, because this movie was the first movie that I claimed as my favorite. It was my favorite movie growing up. I loved this one. Um, so that there's an even deeper connection for me there personally, personally, um, Cruella DeVille, when you listen to it now, it leads with that super long piano introduction that I love so much. I like imagine myself like Sunday morning, just woke up. I could listen to that, have a cup of coffee, like just be relaxed. And this is going to be playing in the background. That's a perfect Sunday morning for me. Um, it's, it goes well with Roger's character. As I said, it sets up the movie's villain in a way that like shows you the relationship between uh, the main characters and the villain like the main characters don't know how sinister she is but they she gives off this kind of creep uh, persona she's like a spider waiting for the kill is just such a great line from to me like I think that's fantastic the, the it, this vampire bat this inhuman beast she ought to be locked up and never released like tell us how you really feel Roger tell us how you really feel um I think that I just I just musically if i'm sitting like these chris you're right these two songs are just so great um and it's a tough one to make a decision here but if i'm just like listening to this song like i just want to listen to this song this great disney song and not have to i don't know if i'm just gonna listen to a song it's probably for me gonna be corella deville i'm throwing it to christian to break this tie I just feel like you got a friend in me. I just like I need to be in in this I'm going to Disneyland sort of situation while Cruella DeVille, I just feel like is a strong song on its own. But we'll let Christian decide this one. Yeah, I, I agree that Cruella DeVille is a strong song. Um, I think you've got a friend in me. Just the journey that it took us on having it being attached to every single Toy Story film just has created this deep emotional attachment, right? Um, I think when I was little, my favorite Disney film was 101 Dalmatians and, and Cruella DeVille was always a song that was super exciting and, uh, and, and is also iconic. But I think You've Got a Friend in Me, although it's not my favorite song, I think it, it immediately transports you. Right. And and it's hard to put that up against a villain song because it is evoking such different sides of the spectrum. But in terms of recognition and 
attachments to 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 the songs i think that you've got a friend in me does more and and has a a better shot of getting further than cruella does completely fair i'm not mad at it love both songs uh i'd like everybody to know that i went against my love 101 dalmatians last bracket but i was back defending it and here i am losing (laughs) the battle for 101 so what else is new on mouse madness Okay, we are going to move down to our final matchup of the round of 16. It is Go the Distance, which came in in the number 18 spot versus number 2, Let It Go. Man, this one, Go the Distance is such a great song. I think it's underrated, but when you really look at it, the (laughs) amount of paper it takes up is probably a sticky note, lyrically. It has like a verse has a chorus has like 15 minutes of instrumental because there's dialogue that you don't get on the soundtrack and then it's him singing the chorus again in a and it with a nice little key change love me a key change um comes in a very pivotal part of the movie it's very moana-esque where i here i go i know my mission i know what my heart wants um it, the message of like dreaming of greatness and wanting to work hard to achieve it i think is super positive uh it's mostly orchestral, uh, like I said, and I get the feeling in the middle of it, like, okay, let's get back to singing. I don't even think that this song is the best song in Hercules. I think Zero to Hero is, like, to be honest. Um, Let It Go is just this, like, empowerment powerhouse. It is, you have Adele Dazeem, who is singing these incredible vocals. You have uh, the messaging of just, like, embracing who you are, and freeing yourself of insecurities and just letting the world know that this is you. And I think that's so important and obviously took on a cultural revolution in the LGBTQ community and uh, and people were really owning the song. And I think that that's so important. Like if so many people in the world can relate to a song, it has power behind it. And it's another turn in the movie. It's another showstopper. It's radio hit. It's just... Such a powerful song, and I think that it's compared to Go to the Distance, Let It Go is going to take the cake. Uh, I would, I'm interested in seeing how far Let It Go would get to if it makes it past you guys, but um, I'm moving Let It Go on. I'm glad you brought up kind of the brevity of the lyrics in Go the Distance because I agree. As I looked at the song a little bit closer, I think the one thing about it is that I feel like it's a little bit subdued and I feel like it could be so much more than it actually is. Everything about it, the vocals, the length, the lyrics, it's just, it could be saying so much more about the character and it could be so much better of a listening experience than it is. Uh, I just wish there was more. I just wish that it had more is what I'm trying to say. Let it go. It's got enough. It's got pretty much everything let it go leaves it all out there it is a show-stopping number it's it's just awesome and and of course it launched a cultural revolution so um going with let it go as well christian let it go has survived the saturation bias do you agree yeah yeah and and honestly i i'm expecting it to make it to the final two um and I really do love Hercules and, and uh, 
that song, I think, spoke to my sad little eight-year-old heart. Uh, but <laughs> I do, every time I hear it, I'm like, this is a really short song. I wish there was more to it. And now that you're all making these points, I think that there was an opportunity to really pack a stronger punch. And because it lacks that, it just didn't really stand a chance against Adele's Nadazim's massive, <laughs> massive banger. All right, so we have our Elite Eight set. Let's get down to a final four, starting with our first matchup, number 16, Remember Me, versus number nine, How Far I'll Go. I'm a little bit split at, at how to approach this here. On the one hand, you have Remember Me, which is a really unique song in that it uses this Mexican style of music as inspiration, which is a totally unique sound, and it also deals with this complex theme of death and memory that no other song does and is very un-Disney. And then on the other hand, you've got How Far I'll Go, which, as we have mentioned many times, is this you know song of, of restlessness and wanting to be somewhere else that we've seen so many other times in Disney. So, is it a good Disney song in that it's representative of the genre or is it not so good because it's something that we've heard many times before i think i want to get a little bit crazy here and i think i want to go with the more unique song just because i think it's one that i want to listen to more repetitively it's a little bit simpler it's a little bit more straightforward to the point that lyric i sing a secret song to you each night we are apart I don't even know what that means. What what do you guys think that means? Is that meta- a metaphor for something or I mean, it's it's almost like the, you'll remember me because when I'm gone, we'll always have something that's special to us. Yeah, or like even though I'm not here, I'm thinking about you. Mhm. Yeah. It's just like really? having, yeah, just having like a special connection with somebody is what I take from that. I feel like it's, so, it's almost more literal though, right? Because the whole premise is that you you get to live on through storytelling and through these altars. So if if we continue that tradition, literally our memory can't die. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and I mean, that's my personal philosophy when it comes to death, honestly. I've lost a lot of people really close to me and my attitude to it has always kind of been just that. No one's ever really gone if you preserve their memory by thinking about them often and talking about them often and reminiscing about really good times you have with that person. That person is alive within you. And I think Remember Me really speaks to that philosophy. And I think it's beautiful. That's not to say how far I'll go doesn't deal with some awesome themes as well when it comes to expectations that others might have on you and kind of trying to defy those expectations and finding your identity in a world where people want to determine your identity for you, which is another really common experience. But again, I think it's one that we get a lot when it comes to Disney music. And I think I'm going to go with the more, the more unique one here. And I'm going to put Remember Me in the final four, this song from Coco. I think that for me you brought up that you have like remember me it's just more enjoyable for you to listen to and you just like better like for me it's the opposite how far i'll go is the more uh it's on my playlist more often than remember me is 
Um, I just, I just love how authentic it sounds. I love the like message of you, you have to take a leap in order to make progress. Like literally she needs to get past the waves. No one's been past the waves and no one knows what's past them, but they need to make this leap in order to find out because you, you never know, like you need to try something new because you'll never know how it will end up if you don't try. Right. And I love that messaging. I love that Moana takes that within her to be that person and to be brave and be strong enough to take that leap of faith. Um, it's I, it, the reprise just gets me every single time. Remember me the same, same thing. Like remember me has that powerful reprise with Miguel. Right. And, and Christian brought this up, like the, the higher pitch, or maybe you did Chris, the higher pitch voice of Miguel, the fact that it's coming from a child, I think just tugs on the heartstrings even harder, right? Like that the child is feeling this way. We all are just going to be wet blankets. Um, but for me, like this, this personal empowerment is just so incredible. And I like how far I'll go better than I do remember me. And it's moving on for me. Christian, we're going to you to break up this elite eight tie. Oh, I was really hoping I wasn't going to have to do this. Um, I, I, I think I'm torn because Remember Me had such a great moment for Latino children and the Hispanic community. And just, I think it, it transcended a lot of borders and put a, like a really soft spot and, 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 and moment that highlighted a Mexican specifically family in the conversation when the U S probably needed a little bit of that. And it was very intentional and in how it did it. And that, that song was making an argument, right? It's like, it doesn't matter, matter what color you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. Everyone has experience with death. Everybody has grandparents that they eventually have to say goodbye to. And I think that it, it was important because it, it, it gave a lot of people who had never experienced that kind of a story, uh, you know, representation. But I think the same thing could be said for Moana, right? Maybe not, not in the same way, but I mean, highlighting, you know, Pacific Islander community that doesn't get to see themselves on screen. I think it, it also, you know, had an important moment in the spotlight. I think Remember Me does more for me as a Latino, as a Mexican-American. So I'm going to choose that, but I don't think that it uh, denies Moana of all of the great things that it had for itself. Um, I think just in this instance, like in the grand scheme of things, I think it had a larger effect. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Remember Me. All right. Remember Me is moving right along. We are heading down to the next Elite Eight matchup. Number 28, be prepared for number 13, part of your world. Chris, you're going to have some issues. You're going to have some issues because... You stop right now. You stop you, right now. You're going to have some issues, Before Chris. you speak. You're going to have some issues, dude, because, because I just, I am on this be prepared hype train that is ne there's no stops we're not stopping on this train we're not stopping there's no destination we're just going 
it's just such a smart song. It's so smart. Just, it, it reveals his plan. It shows the kind of double-sidedness of him that just makes him such a, a deep and well-thought-out villain. Like, the best villains are the smart ones. And he's just such a smart villain. And just the colors that they use in the actual movie and just the visuals. But also, it's just a menacing song. You you said it yourself that this song gave you nightmares. Like, yes, because it's so powerfully evil. Because this the character it represents and that is singing it is so powerfully evil. And Christian, you said that you loved the live action version, which I didn't necessarily love. But it also represented how how it it didn't make light of how evil the live action Scar was, right? Because if he was going to stop and just start singing the song, nah, well, it's a lion singing a song. But for his character in the live action version, he was just delivering a speech. And I thought that worked really well for the movie. It wasn't, the, in my opinion, the better version of Be Prepared, but it did well for that in the context of that. Yes, my teeth and ambitions are bared. He's literally saying that I'm telling you what my plan is. You hyenas are too stupid to realize what I'm actually going to do to you. And I'm baring my teeth. I'm willing to kill my brother to do it. It's just so powerful. Part of your world is beautiful. It's it's this nice, light song that we all love. But be, to me, Be Prepared is the better song. I'm moving Be Prepared number 28 on. Okay. First of all. Part of your world is not nice and light. It yes, is. It is. Yes, it is. She doesn't remember the word for feet. How cute. That's so nice. We love it. It has oh, silly moments at the beginning, and that's meant to draw you in. Because you're like, oh, this is just uh, a sweet little girl who no. has fairy tale dreams. She's and then the song and builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it crescendos in this what's a... F- fire and why does it what's the word burn when's it my turn wouldn't i love to and explore then it that falls. and it's like and it falls you f- you feel it and you have to wait for the reprise to get satisfied with a no emotional no ending. you don't have to wait to get satisfied yeah, you, you know. feel that passion inside of her building throughout the entire song and the way that it ends after that note that above went and then she and then she brings it back down yeah she's yeah right because it's heartbreaking and she's depressed because she knows that it'll never happen and when moana does her how far i'll go you are convinced that she's going to accomplish this thing she's setting out to do because you can see how powerful she is with ariel you don't get that same like confidence in her because of just how hopeless she seems to be herself about it and like it it makes me really feel for the character. I know you don't really love the Little Mermaid that much, which is fine, but I don't know. We talk about tugging on heartstrings, and that song does tug on my heartstrings for that reason. And obviously, it is a Disney movie, so you know she is gonna be a part of that world eventually. But um, I think it's just excellent, well composed, well structured, great lyrics, nice mixture of humor and seriousness. Comes at the beginning of the movie, establishes the character, her goals, her values, her motivations, the stakes. Just love it. Go on party your world. Version of be prepared. It's it's interesting that that the half redhead in this group is so anti (laughs) aerial. Let's relax. 
<laughs> I don't know if, if the audience has ever heard of the term ginger, but if you look at Kyle with a grown-out beard, uh, it's pretty aerial down there. Let's relax and stay on topic, please. <laughs> um, I am going to... I've been on your side this whole time with Be Prepared, Kyle. I have fought for it. But I think when uh, you turn on the song, right? Uh, if you are out at a bar and all of your friends... I'm have standing had a couple... on top of the bar screaming Be Prepared and everyone at the bar are my hyenas. <laughs> Not necessarily what I was imagining. But if you turned on both of those songs... Instantly, everyone at the bar would know the first lyric. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Right? Versus Be Prepared would be a pretty niche group of of Lion King enthusiasts, I guess we can call them. Um, I mean, Ariel's, Ariel's song just does a lot more and, and uh, for the general population. So we're going with Part of Your World. <sighs> Man, I was so scared for a second there. Order has been restored in this bracket. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. But not for long because we're jumping over to the other side of the bracket with number 30, I See the Light, versus number 6, Circle of Life. Now, I See the Light has kind of waltzed its way through the first couple of rounds of this bracket, and it's going up against a heavyweight in Circle of Life. Kyle, I think, summarized it pretty well last round um, really sets the tone for this movie I believe that if you took this song to a person who had never seen The Lion King before and you played it for them and you were like where does this take place within the movie they'd probably be able to tell you it sounds like it takes place at the beginning because there's this energy to it that makes you feel very inspired very motivated, very fresh, like anything's possible. I love that about this song. And <laughs> I know where you're going, Barbara. Yeah, same. God <laughs> damn. Kyle said that uh, it establishes the themes well, which it does. And I mean, I love the themes present in this song. And no characters sing it, which I think it earns more points for me because of that. When you have a character kind of singing what's happening and like singing how things are, it's almost like you're kind of spoon feeding all that stuff to the audience in a way. And Circle of Life is able to do it kind of in the background and you have visuals and and stuff happening everywhere, right? In the first like two and a half minutes of the movie. So I like Circle of Life a lot for that reason. Oh my gosh. But I see the light. Oh my gosh. Are you joking? is so good. Oh. This is a song that will never, ever get old to me. Circle of Life is not the kind of song I want to listen to just whenever. What? I see the light. That song can come, come on. That song can come on any time of day, no matter where I'm at. I can be at the gym on the deadlift platform, about to go for PR, and I see the light can come on, and I'll turn that up and probably hit it. This is long. This is circle this of is life great. comes on, and I'm like, "Am I in the mood for that? Am I not in the mood for that?" Okay, I'm in the mood for it. It's a good song. Or, not feeling this right now. Not in the mood. I see the light can be interpreted as a really happy song because 
makes you feel renewed in faith. It can be a sad song because it deals with characters coming to terms with things that are maybe difficult for them. It's a loving song. It's an easy, happy, poppy song. It, literally, there's like, and this is in addition to all the things we've talked about the last couple rounds with this thing. It's got great themes present and encapsulates all of the movie Tangled in the one song. The characters, the story, everything. The song is perfect to me. And I'm going with I See the Light over Circle of Life. So, over to you. I'm going to use... I'm using the argument that just buried me in my soul. You put these on, people are going to scream Circle of Life. Yeah, but those people don't it know what they're... It's they, just so they're iconic. They're 90s Disney shills so is what they are. Sir, this is my turn. Sir, this is my turn to speak. Please, thank you very much. Um, It's just, like I said, it's literally... it. It bookends the movie because you've gone in a full circle, not only with life and death, but with in restoring uh, the pride. Like this movie, this song just does so much for the movie. Completely, I see the light is an incredible love song. I've hyped it up this entire time. I'm not hating on I see the light at all. I think it's a great song, but it's up against the circle of life. It is not better than the circle of life. There's just no way. I don't think so. I think that Circle of Life just does so much more for The Lion King than I See the Light does for Tangled. I think that we all enjoy Circle of Life much more than I See the Light, and I appreciate you giving some chaos to this bracket, but you, sir, are wrong. Christian, we're going to you. I, I wanted to preface this bracket with, like, if there was one matchup that I'd be okay with you going for the underdog, I would have, like, totally been on board but kyle's right we need to be responsible adults right now i'm hurt i'm hurt right now i can see the light like found me in my early 20s when i was very much a mess and i think the first time i saw it was when we were all working at camp and i was like hung over just like in a dark room at like two in the afternoon. And I was like, what is this? Why, why, why is, yeah, nap shift. Why is Mandy Moore singing <laughs> to me right now? Um, but it, it, it totally like spoke to me and it still does. But I mean, there are people listening to this as Disney enthusiasts who probably didn't even watch that film. And there's no way that we'd be able to push that forward over circle of life. Elton John against Mandy Moore. We're not, we're not playing this game. Unless you wanted to play, and then I probably would have played. But since there is a, a reasonable voice in the room, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Circle of Life. All right. Incredible analysis, as always, Christian. Thank you so much for restoring stability in this bracket. We are going on to the last Elite Eight matchup. Number seven, You've Got a Friend in Me, versus number two, Let It Go. I can't read Chris's eyes. I don't know which way he's going to go in this one which scares me a little bit because I want to say he's going to go Frozen because it's the biggest Frozen fan I know. But I also think that he has a uh, a, a uh, nostalgic feeling for the Toy Story song, You Got a Friend in Me. Um, for me, this one, I think that, uh, man, I mean, we've broken these two songs down. For me, it all comes down to what really has left an, an impression on me Um I, maybe because I got into the Frozen game late, it wasn't Let It Go. 
maybe it's because Toy Story has such a nostalgic feeling uh, and still such nostalgic nostalgia in me um, is why I, I like it so much. The We talk about this like flute thing that comes in at the beginning and just how it instantly, you're instantly happy. You're instantly engaged. It's a great song to start the movie and it's a great song for the for all four movies it tells the story really of all four movies and how important friendship is how important love is outside of a romantic con context um a let it go is an incredibly powerful song but for me like ah man it's gonna be you've got a friend in me it's just so iconic disney and it's just so it left uh, such a lasting impression on me as it being my favorite movie growing up. So I'm going with uh, You've Got a Friend in Me. Kyle, do you ever oh. find yourself on Netflix or another streaming platform of your choice and you have a TV show that you love, but it requires so much emotion and it's like a commitment to watch it and even though you would probably love watching it more than anything, you just throw on The Office because you're just kind of not in the mood to go all out at that moment. Sometimes that's how yeah. I feel about Let It Go. Oh, God. Where I love it. I love <laughs> Let It Go. Love it. But sometimes it'll come on, I'm just like, if I let this play, I'm going to have to sing. And, like, it's just... <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'm in a headspace to do Let It Go at this moment. Where you've got a friend in me, it's nice and easy, it's digestible. Like I said last round, it's very balanced in all aspects. Is this happening right now? And if, <laughs> oh come on, you know it's happening. I will give credit where credit is due. Let It Go is a song that every literally everyone knows. The entire English speaking language and many non English speaking languages. But so is You've Got a Friend in Me. No. They're just Toy Story is commodified in the exact same way Frozen is. And I think they're on an evil they are on an evil playing field, but they are also on an even playing field when it comes to <laughs> cultural impact in my opinion. You have these songs are applicable inside and outside of Disney. So I think I think they both hold up in that respect. So I think that's kind of an unfair argument um to make when it comes to let it go in this situation. I guess if I had to give like a really hot take to give You've Got a Friend in Me the edge over Let It Go, oh, I man. don't what? think Adele Dazeem was the person for this song. Oof. Oh. She oh. was <laughs> and is at a point in her career where she just doesn't have it anymore. Oh, oh man. My God. And when I heard this song the first time, uh, I was like, wow, this is incredible. Hey, but Manzel, as... These are not my thoughts. These are not my thoughts. He is, he's going rogue. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know what just happened. As I listened to it more, she sounds shrill at times. And there oh. have been rumors of vocal damage going around the internet when it comes to this performer. And I will admit she is an incredible performer and better than many out there. But I think I think someone else could have done it better. And I have heard the Casey Levy version many times now, who is much earlier into her Broadway career. She's no longer Elsa on Broadway, unfortunately. But she does this song so much better. 
And <laughs> I, I referenced this when I did like a mini review of the Frozen Broadway musical. The song ends in a different way where it goes, let the storm rage on, the cold never bothered me anyway, like that. <laughs> and I just think that's so much better and like really gives the song a lot more credit than just kind of like doing that little like funny, funny, like dismissive thing at the end. Um, so I kind of have honestly fallen out of love with this version of Let It Go, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, and for that reason, I am also advancing. You've got a friend in me to the final oh, four with the that. upset. All right. That was that was a very long-winded way of saying you are making a mistake. So for all of those <laughs> listeners out there who are yelling at traffic as you're listening to this, Let It Go didn't deserve that, right? Let It Go yeah, definitely. We don't need to go in and start attacking Adina Menzel because she was able to hit an E flat. Like I don't. I had to look that up. I didn't know that that was an E flat. I, <laughs> I, I wanted say. to pretend like I was way more well versed in in uh, music than I am. But if you were to, the first, think of like transport yourself back. Like the reason why Toy Story and this song has such an impact is because you've been listening to it for twenty years, right? And it's so light and easy that. It's been palatable for 20 years. Let it go. Think about the first time that you heard it. The first time that you heard that, it knocked your socks off. I remember being in the theater and thinking like, what just happened to me? That was gnarly. That was intense. That was everything that you want out of that kind of a song. That you... (laughs) took it upon yourself to listen to this song so many times over the course of like two and a half years is not the song's fault or Adina's fault or the film's fault. I think there is a lot of burnout for Let It Go, but it's not Let It Go's fault. It was the world that just fell in love with it and chose to make it a part of our culture for that like few years. But I I disagree with moving that song forward over let it go it definitely should not be the case but i respect your decision let's keep it going we have reached our final four it is number 16 remember me versus number 13 part of your world and over on the other side it's number six circle of life first number seven you've got a friend in me we have a lot of work to do in the next episode uh christian you've given us your thoughts about let it go, not making it. But what do you have for us as far as this final four goes? Um, I think anything that goes up against Circle of Life is going to have a tough time. <laughs> I think that it is You Got a Friend in Me is is a little bit of a blowout. I think it would have been a lot more interesting to talk about Let It Go versus Circle of Life. Um, I think both of you have a lot of attachment to... You got a friend in me, so I think there are going to be some strong arguments that I'm open to listening to. But just putting those side by side, it doesn't really feel like a fair fight. Um, and then remember me, I obviously have an attachment to. I've kind of I've I've had that thread consistent throughout this entire process. So it's gonna be tough to to 
change my mind. So I'm really curious to see where the two of you fall on on that matchup. But um, yeah, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one. I think we have some homework to really try to pull out things that we haven't already said about all of these four final songs, um, just so that it 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 everyone feels settled with the decision that ends up coming out of it. But um, yeah, it's gonna be a, a doozy to say the least. All right, well, folks, you know where to find us. You can send us all of your angry emails to massmadnesspodcast at gmail.com, or you can always tweet us at massmadnesspod. Looking forward to hearing from you. We love your feedback, even when it's bad, especially when it's bad. So keep keep your thoughts coming, and we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah.